Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach Podcast. You're on once again with Cheezo. And uh, we've had to go for the big gun this week. We've got JB on because we've got some serious issues to talk about, mate. It's getting into the buys. The real thing has started. This is when the year becomes official. This is when our choices start to really impact our sides. And maybe that, that little trade you made at round two, that little correction trade is going to come back and bite in our JB. How are you, champion? Serious issue number one. Do you add an E to Cheezo after every podcast? I swear it gets longer. Mate, my auto, I just go off autocorrect. It's got three E's right now. <laughs> I reckon if we went back to the first podcast, it'd just be like a little, you're on with Cheezo, and now it's, it's massive. Welcome, you're with Cheezo. Oh, no, that, that was basically what it was when we first started. You hadn't gotten puberty that, at that stage? Is that? Well, hadn't and still haven't, but um, this is just a voice changer that makes me sound this way. I don't really want you to know my true identity, JB. Uh, you are a little <laughs> bit of a, a weird guy in my DMs. So, That's true. Uh, we'll, we'll get straight into it, uh, mate. We do have quite a lot to talk about. Um, we were going to do the podcast last night, but we obviously delayed. Pistol was at a, a comedy show. He wasn't available. Um, but he said, my Supercoach team by Cheezo is a good comedy show to go and watch. So, um, when it hits a theatre near you, <laughs> make sure you go and see it. Yeah, and uh, I I was at John Wick, and you know if you want to see a dead dead thing, then it's either that or Jesus. You want to see a dead thing? What the hell are you talking about? Have you not seen John Wick? Do you not know what happens in that movie? Like, if I was a movie reviewer, that would probably be the line that I would say to describe. You know, I was relating it back never to watched your team, which is dead Cheezo. Jeez, <laughs> are you like a joke critic as well? What is happening? Absolutely, mate. That's a three-star joke. <laughs> Wow, right. I'm not going to tell you my rating that, system. Maybe it's out of 12. Who knows? I'm assuming it's out of two. So, <laughs> Well, I've had my rant, JB. I believe that you've got something just boiling under the surface that you really want to get off your chest. Oh, boy. It's boiling all right. Should, wait, should we do the, the Cancer Council and the Patreon first, or you want to I, get into this rant? I think I think let's just get straight into it, because I know you've just been fuming. All right. I tell you what, Chizo. I listen to a few other podcasts out there, and I don't want to call anyone out, but... A commonly asked question on a lot of podcasts is how many trades should we have going into and coming out of the buys? And Cheezo, everyone always gives an answer. They give a number. They say this much would be good, this much would be good. Honestly, there's no number of buys that anyone could advise, uh, no, no number of trades that anyone could advise you that you should have at any point because every team's different. So, the way that you want to look at your team and how many trades you should have coming out is you should have at least five or four or five plus when you get to full premium. So obviously nobody's at full premium at this stage and if they are, then they've got some dodgy looking premiums. But what we want to do is we want to pretty much look at a couple of good cash cows and assume it takes two to make a premium. So two trades per premium. If you're five premiums away from full premium, and you've got 18 trades, you're in a good spot. You're going to have approximately eight trades left at full premium. That's awesome. That's how you should be calculating it and looking at it, how many trades you have at full premium, because you'll need at least five for these impending injuries that are going to happen in the second half of the season. At this stage, I, you know, so many people ask me, um, I've got this amount of players, I've got this amount of trades, like am I in a bad spot? And it just it, the trades are just irrelevant. It's all about premiums remaining, and it's all about how many trades you will have when you've got no premiums left to get. So, Chizo, that is my little little rant, but it's very serious because it's the, probably the most commonly asked question around this time of year, and there's never an answer that anyone could give unless they're actually counting how many premiums you need and give you an answer based on that. 
I mean, I, I totally understand that. It's not necessarily a worthless question, but it's it's almost baseless because you need so much more information to be able to answer it correctly because every team is different, as you say. And a lot of uh, players have different strategies that they're going with. You, you take the contrasting opinions that Pistol and I take to Supercoach, where as I'm kind of, you know, not so much hoarding trades, but just holding that one or two extra that I think I might need in the back end of the year, whereas Pistol's trying to hold, uh, cover up those holes as he goes. And when it works, out and you know at some point he runs out of trades and he's just got to cross his fingers for the rest of the year when it works out he is so far ahead of everyone else but when you get that situation where you have run dry because you've been a bit too trigger happy that's when things you know pull back and that's why everyone's kind of um, asking should we have this many trades or this many trades and um, by this point of the season it's all situational and uh, I completely agree with that JB you should be aiming to have five left over when you're finished upgrading that should Mm -hmm. be your goal so if you've got X amount and you need to upgrade this many people, just do a quick calculation and see how many got left. If you're and going so, to and hit- so it's two p- two trades per rookie on your field. So say you've got three rookies on your field, you need to use six trades between now and full premium. That's how you can count it because essentially you need to go one up, one down. Um, that's in a perfect world. Sometimes you need to get a little bit more money, so you know, give or take a trade here or there. But two trades per, per upgrade is generally what we go at, and that's the best way to calculate how many trades you're going to have left. And that's the best way to know whether you're, you're in a good spot for trades and you can afford to push out the, the Whitfields, etc., or if you're in a bad spot for trades and you need to keep holding players for these uh, injuries, which we'll talk about later. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that, JB. That pretty much wraps uh, wraps up pretty well. We'll jump into the housekeeping. We do have some new sign-ups over at Patreon. We are getting close to the 128 mark that get entered into the Dr. Supercoach Cup, JB. So that'll be exciting to, uh, uh, to, to have the numbers almost locked in for that. That'll be excellent. I'm looking forward to that a lot. And I tell you what, this, the Slack channel is going bananas over the potential rivalries, the already forming rivalries between people. It's... It is going to be a crazy time, and it gives people something to look forward to for the second half of the season. <laughs> there, like there's you. something, there's something exciting about a, a bracket as well. Like I don't know, oh, yeah. whenever you see like vote for the, you know who who is the best forward in this era, blah blah blah. There's always people get excited about you know the bracket says you go in and you get closer to the end. So um, that's going to be really fun. Uh, the thing is, we've had a few questions um, because we are so close to um, the 128 entrance that we're going to have if we go over what we're going to do i think the plan that we've come up with so far jb i don't think we've fully decided on but i'm happy to talk about it we're going to do um potentially around um robin like a an average to that point so um you know the top um 128 averages that um get in something like that we'll uh, we'll confirm it beforehand but we'll definitely come up with something if we have more than the uh, the allocated spots that we have in the cup I think Pistol suggested maybe the top, uh, however many we go over, ranked players, uh, we get some sort of a buy system working to give those that are having a great season a bit of an advantage. Uh, But yeah, like you said, there's still a lot to be discussed. And as we get closer to that number and uh, still a few weeks away, it looks like we're going to be pushing or going over. And then uh, I I suppose Slack suggestions as well or Patreon suggestions uh, will be welcomed as well. So it's exciting, Cheezo. 
Yeah, don't worry, guys. We'll, we'll definitely sort something out. Uh, we do have some new sign-ups that we do have to go through. They well deserve a shout-out. We've got Lockie Sains, Matthew Adams, Joe Mastika, Josh Watson, and Brett Fowell have signed up uh, in the last couple of days, JB. So great to have those guys on board. Um, and fantastic to see a couple that are just signing up to support the podcast. And we appreciate that. Um, you just want to, uh, you know, be part of the uh, part of this, you know, not movement that we're doing, JB, but just trying to expand um, our voice and our reach and reach more people and and hopefully help more people with their supercoach years. Oh, it's awesome, and you know, we see week in and week out people improving from before Slack to after Slack, and it's just amazing. Obviously, it's a lot of people are having good seasons as us podcasters are having good seasons, so it tends to you know start from the top and go down. And it's just amazing. <laughs> Sounds like my year starting at the top and going down very rapidly. <laughs> we always like to we always like to contrast the good with the bad. Um, so let's talk about some uh, some negative things that happened during the week that caused some uh, donations to the Cancer Council. JB, run us through those. I, I know there's one in particular you're very keen to talk about. <laughs> well, there were there were five muck ups. We'll say uh, during the week. I'll start with my own uh, donated for the Atley bet that I made with Pistol last week. I thought he would come in for Tom Rockcliffe this week. Uh, obviously, I said that he'd come in for before Ports Buy. What's he he baited me he... into it. He, he Pistol baited me into it. I don't know if you heard that part of the podcast, Chizo, but yeah. I was happy to just advise that Je I think baby. he's going to come in. And then Pistol's like, oh, how much are you putting on the, the, on the line for the Cancer Council? And I was like, oh, geez, here we go. But no, happy to contribute. And uh, thanks for that, Ken Hinkley. You're a tough one to crack. He didn't even travel either, so I don't know if I should have <laughs> donated extra for don't, that. Donated ahead of the game. Oh, geez. So we've got Dr. Misadventure uh, in the slack, paying out on Whitfield not playing before the buy, which is a wager he made with another slack member. So uh, thank you for your donation. And on uh, Twitch, Dr. Misadventure, so I don't know exactly what he streams, but could be good to check out there. BRs, I think he's a, a BR streamer um, from the uh, parts that I checked in and just left a few comments on the stream there you go always always happy to plug a fellow slacker so uh, next up is uh, DTS Daylon uh, left the E on Zach Williams instead of Clark so then copped the whore late out and I'll tell you what Chizo he's he's in my rivalry league team and I did advise him to trade whore to Baker so it did kind of work out because Baker put up a a score around 70 so not too bad from Daylon but uh, did donate for missing the emergency there, which saved him a trade and probably a bit of money. Next up, and second to last, is Alistair. He donated for two donuts, so unfortunate for you, Alistair, but crispy cream. Donation. Yes, a couple of crispy creams. Crispy la creme. <laughs> and then lastly, uh, the one that you said I was interested to talk about. <laughs> Just Lachlan... run us through this situation. This is <laughs> hilarious. Lachlan Della. Um, so I was saying as Whitfield got injured, that I was 100% certain that he will not be playing in round 14. and uh, Just a bit of an offhanded comment, a bit of a, you know, just a little joke, just to get through the uh, the afternoon. Someone And then someone replied saying he will definitely play round 14, and I tried baiting that that first person in uh, to, to sort of get on the, uh, the Cancer Council bet. He turned me down. But good old Lachlan swooped in and said he will definitely be playing round 14. <laughs> and look, I want to make this 100% clear because I, I'm not big on baiting people into these things, but I gave him several opportunities to get out of this one. I rephrased it, reworded it. I threw it at him at different angles. He was very keen to jump on that bet. So 
He even said, and his name is spelt with an O, that he'd change his name to a an A for Lachlan in there as well. <laughs> so he caught the double. Uh, I did advise him after he'd made the bet that he might want to pay up now unless he thinks AFL are going to change GWS's buy. But yeah, it's that moment of Lachlan. panic when you realise you've stuffed up. You're just like, wait, wait, what have I overlooked? I've and missed I something think- here. I think the the dozen people following the conversation in Slack knew what was going on and gave a few laugh reacts and poor old Lockie was just a little late to the party. So thank you for your donation, Lockie. Appreciate it. All right, mate. We've talked enough trash now. So let's get into the round recap. We had the Friday night game, North Melbourne and Richmond. I've got to be honest, mate. This went the opposite to what I thought uh, thought it would. And uh, the ruse just get, uh, running over the top of uh, a, a really solid um, final side in the Tigers, even though uh, they did have a few outs. They got their, their captain back. This one surprised me as well. I thought uh, the game plans contrasted really in Richmond's favour. Uh, obviously, they, they go the uh, the tidal wave and North Melbourne try and handball through. So um, I thought Richmond would give them a spanking and North Melbourne obviously got up for their new coach. So good for North Melbourne fans and not really anything for Richmond fans because they'll just bounce back next week. But yes, I was very surprised by the result on this one as well. Yeah, obviously there's uh, um, the standout rookie in this game. We had a couple, Liam Baker and Sydney Stack, both had fantastic games. And if you've been uh, just catching it with the Dr. Supercoach articles that you can catch at the start of the week on the Herald Sun, you'll know that tip four from our uh, our buy planner guide would be to hold on to the rookies with the later buy because all I was seeing on the Friday night was, you know, God damn, I traded out Sydney Stack and I'm... You can only give out so much advice, JB, before it falls on you. What's, what's the saying? You can take a horse to water, but you can't make it drink or something <laughs> like that? You can't force it to drink. Yeah, so uh, on the Sydney Stack thing, I did say on the podcast, and I, I was actually going to trade him myself until we had a, an, an abundance of outs that I had to use to cover my midfield. Um, but if you were getting him to Josh Kelly against the Gold Coast, I kind of understood it. I was, That's a win. I was, yeah, I was willing to definitely sort of subside in and allow people to get in one of the best midfielders, obviously the most informed midfielder as well in the competition. Otherwise, I don't know who you were trading in, but you would be kicking yourself for missing this score and now ensuing the couple of price rises that he'll receive as well. And if you got on someone at an early buy, you also are going to have a little bit of trouble early in the buys as well. So... Hopefully, a lot of people held and listened to your advice there, Chizo. Yeah, and I guess um, at this point, uh, the, the whole the whole point behind that tip was to make sure that you have your rookies towards the back end of the buy, meaning that they're going to be playing for you as you're upgrading, and then when it becomes their buy time, you should have that. Uh, your team should be progressed to a point that you should have uh, be almost at full premium anyway, and so that they're not actually needed. Whereas at the start of the the buy rounds, that's when we're you know particularly this week where you know double maybe triple downing if we can to try and build that cash up to grab people off their buy, um, and, and so that's why it's so beneficial to have uh, even the likes of Michael Gibbons just sticking around for that little bit to uh, to at least be a warm body because with all this carnage that we're seeming to have, JB, um, they are going to be very important on the North Melbourne side of things Cunnington just gets it done again he's starting to show a little bit of ceiling that I had questioned earlier on in the season with a 133 JB and he uh, he's starting to gain popularity among super coaches yeah and 20 contested disposals from 31 is something that super coaches pretty much just lick their lips at uh, nine clearances led the team in that one as well uh, equally led the game with Prestia as well so 
he's just a points machine at the moment. And I agree with you. I thought he was going to have a couple of lulls in the season where he sort of went crazy for four weeks and then was was a bit down for two or three. He's not doing that this year. And I don't know about North Melbourne, how they're going to rally behind Reece Shaw, the new, obviously, caretaker coach, but... He looks good, and of all the options in this game, it's him or Hooley as the uh, POD picks that we should be looking at. That's right. Poor Reece is going to end up with type 2 diabetes if he keeps smashing those milk bottles. <laughs> he does enjoy them, doesn't he? <laughs> uh, we've all been there. I think uh, when you're ever having a bit of a, an anxious moment, just a little bit of chewing gum, you know, when you're out in the field and it's uh, it's getting tight late in a uh, late in a test match, that little it just stops you chewing your fingernails. So he probably wouldn't we, have even known he was eating them, to be honest. That's <laughs> exactly the point. Maybe some them. sugar-free gum. We should, uh, you know, if he, if, <laughs> if he uh, in the inner circle there, just uh, get him onto the uh, the the mints, maybe. Um, uh, good to see uh, some uh, solid scores from Dusty as well. Um, not a huge accumulator of the possessions on the game, um, but three goals and 20-plus disposals certainly does um, help his scoring. We didn't see a, a great return by uh, Trent Cochin, but I do think in the uh, the coming weeks he's going to be um, getting back to uh, his best, and we should see him running a little bit more through the midfield, obviously just um, slowly bringing him through. And uh, Jack Zebel, JB, we've been laughing him off pretty much the entire year, uh, 110 Supercoach points. It just seems like, uh, depending uh, where he's going to be played under Shaw's leadership is going to be the question because um, he spent the majority of the last couple of seasons just bunkered down in the forward pocket. Yeah, it's become interesting now because I, I didn't want to bar of him with uh, Scott as the coach, uh, Brad Scott. He obviously would go two weeks in the midfield and you know two years uh, in the forward line, so I wasn't having a bar of that. But now with Shaw there, um, Jack's even getting all the midfield time in the first week with Shaw. Now I think it's a, an option if you're feeling really risky. The forward line is generally quite stacked, so we'll have to see uh, what options people are giving up on to go for Zebul instead. Um, but the next couple of weeks will be telling, so uh, wait him out until after his buy and then have a good hard look at him, I think. Sure. Well, uh, zip in through to the next one. It is the Magpies versus the Dockers. Uh, a bit of a touch-and-go game, this one, JB, you'd say. Wow. We're starting early, are we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, disappointing. Pistol's not on here. Magpies. He can't stop me. Yeah, look, he, he would be very upset, wouldn't he? <laughs> but, I mean, what can you say? It was the Nat Five for Michael Walters show. If you want to talk about forwards, then... You know, firstly, Walters had a couple of good weeks with uh, kicking the game-winning score a few times now, but he's looking good. Yeah, absolutely. He, he, uh, we've seen this from him time and time again where he does get... Um, he has the potential to just be so impactful late in games, and I think it's two weeks in a row now that he's been um, the the go-to man at around the siren time. So um, he does seem to be, to make himself in the right spot at the right time. So um, even after being burnt in previous years, he is looking like a, a tasty option. Uh, Nat Fife really brought it home because uh, in the last quarter, I thought he was on track for a 150 plus score, and, and you know, with five minutes to go, I think he was still on 120. So I was starting to panic a little bit that he'd. Uh, had a, a slow last quarter, but he, he brought it home as well with a 140 plus. And 91% time on ground. If you don't have him, they're on their buy at the moment, and you absolutely have to be looking to upgrade to him uh, following the buy. Would you be looking to upgrade him coming off the buy? Would you write that in your weekly article, you think? <laughs> 
yes, yes, I would choose her. <laughs> uh, Brody Grundy, just fantastic again. 124 did get scaled up a few points after um, after the final siren, which eased a few tensions on uh, the whole VC situation. I was happy to take his 121. I think he finished on, but uh, to to take a 124 um, just seemed really safe to me. I just with everything going wrong with the rest of my team, I didn't want to risk it um, just for a, a handful of points. But in the end, um, I could have jumped on Max Gorn and you know hit things in history. But we should talk about Scott Pendlebury. Uh, he's just kind of not really turning back the clock. He's, he's not really lost it at all. Um, but he's just kind of showing that ceiling that he does have and being really impactful in the game. He's getting plus uh, nearly 30 touches a game and, and a goal a game. He's just starting to you know really show that elite um, skills that we've seen over the past and making himself a little bit more relevant this year. Yeah, well, he kind of had lost it last season. Uh, I know, I know. Obviously, it's only one season out of his so many, but um, with that back issue before surgery in this off season just gone, uh, he was. He said he was unable to sort of get down and even touch his toes or touch his kneecaps for a while there. So it's not surprising to see him go crazy. His break even's down in the forties at the moment, so it's kind. It kind of puts us in a hard spot because we don't want to trade him in. Obviously, right before his buy. But we also don't want to trade him in for you know an extra 50k if he goes crazy this week. He is definitely an option, and obviously uh, beams out now for eight to 12 weeks, really opens it up. I think Pendlebury's in for a good couple of months now. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, Darcy Moore just uh, ticking along with his high 60s, low 70s. That's just what he's going to do uh, pretty much all year. And Jack Crisp continuing his uh, nearly 30 disposable 70 point games. JB, it's starting to get frustrating for owners. Yeah, it's a bit wild, isn't it? Um, Kind of Brad Crouch like even, um, I think it is interesting as well to add that Brody Grundy is a test this week, so he's got a bit of an ankle knock as well. So that that's another thing to come out of this game. Yeah, so definitely keep an eye on that. Uh, Connor Blakey, hundred uh, Blakely, one hundred and five super coach points. Is he a sneaky option to uh, to bring in during the buys, JB? Like uh, he seems to have a. You know, that role that we always expected he was going to have this year before he did his hamstring in the preseason, he's just starting to look like a really sneaky, nice option. Yeah, playing in defense still, so still uh, getting those defensive half-back minutes. Does look very sneaky. Um, 105, obviously, off 27 disposals is is excellent. It's exactly what we're wanting, and especially in a really muddied back line, which we're going to talk about later when we discuss Whitfield. Um, he does stand out a bit, and he's still very cheap. So, look, I guess I guess it's hard to get on someone that's coming off of such a lengthy time off. He's only really had the one and a half good scores. Um, it'd be a bit of a plunge, but I can't can't really argue against it. To be honest, I think he's building nicely. Yeah, I think I'd be more on the, on the Luke Ryan train. I'll just get your opinion on the uh, the fact that Alex Pierce is going to be out for a period of time. Do we think that's going to impact Luke Ryan at all? No, I don't think Ryan's suited to that lockdown role at all. So they'll bring in someone like for like for Alex Pearson. I think everyone should hold their spots. Yeah, probably like a a, a Griffin Logue or something to, yep. to 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 play something similar. So I, I'm very much along the same lines. I think that the job that Luke Ryan's been doing this year is going to be uh, continuing on into the future. So um, Brett Bewley had his second game, another forty odd score. Um, I know his job security seems okay. Um, it's like what you said the other week, JB. When you're watching, you think, "Oh, he's Bewley's had a good game." You check the scores afterwards, and he's like, "Oh, only 47." Mm. Like, a, I thought he he was way more. Like, he had 15 touches, six tackles, and two behinds. Like, it it could have potentially been a really good game, but um, 
I, I like what we're seeing from him. I, I think the, the hype in the preseason is warranted. So um, we'll, we'll certainly uh, look at him when he comes off his bye. Anyway, JB, we'll jump into the next game, Giants and the Suns. And uh, the Suns came up with him very, very early, but uh, obviously it was the Canelio show from that point on. Unbelievable, isn't it? So two scores now above, I think, 104. Um, so just the two scores above 104 for the whole season. It's a 155 and a 207. That is absolutely incredible. But I advise people heavily to consider what they're thinking when they're, when they're looking to bring him in. I know he's still cheap, but he's had, like I said, two big scores, which is excellent. Besides that, he's been very subpar. I know a lot of that's been injury-affected. But we know this. Gold Coast always concede big scores to midfielders, and obviously Cornelia had his absolute way with them. Didn't have a run with roll as Josh Kelly did until Bose got injured, and Whitfield did for the whole game until obviously he got injured. But look, it just was perfect for Cornelio. Everything came into place for him, but I wouldn't be chasing those points. Yeah, I agree with that. And we've always known we have the skill. I'm just, I've just brought up a tweet from Swampy. Um, players with 35-plus disposals, 10 contested possessions, 8 tackles and 3 goals in a game. Listen, listen to this list. Chris Judd, Garrett Ablett Jr. twice, Paddy Dangerfield, Dane Zorko, and now Stephen Cornelio. The, the guy is just incredible. So um, I think there's going to be a lot of coaches out there that have traded him out. They're just, you know, just really, really finding it difficult not to grind their teeth after seeing a, t- the <laughs> I think it's the first 200-plus score for the year, so um, very uh, uh, very good by him. Josh Kelly, as you said, he just keeps tick, uh, ticking along, doing what he can do. This is the first year that we've really seen consistently high ceiling from uh, Kelly. We've seen it in the past where he can average uh, 110, 115, but this is the year that we, uh, you know, if he continues this up, he's going to be a 120-plus um, from the moment he came back from injury into the, into the side. Um, and, you know, if... It's looking like an inspired pick by Drunk Chizo, uh, uh, JB, but we won't touch on that too much more again. On the, uh, <laughs> the the Sun side of things, it really is a little bit uh, depressing, I guess you would say. Uh, no real super coach um, relevant players having any uh, impact on this game. Chris Burgess, just a 33 for the do, those that do have him. Uh, and Josh Corbett, who had been one of the most consistent across his first four or five games, is now down to uh, down into the into the cellars with a 38. But I guess it's hard to impact a game where you're getting smashed by 80 points. That's exactly right. Gold Coast forwards are just... They, they might be okay one week, but they're going to be bad most weeks. So it's unfortunate, but it's the roller coaster that we have to go with if we uh, pick these players up. Um, so obviously... Lockie Whitfield injured in this one. I think we'll save that discussion to the end of the podcast because that needs to be quite a lengthy one. So Yeah. What's this, JB? I'm, I'm a little bit confused by this symbol. There seems to be a red cross next to Toby Green. Can you explain that? I've, I've not seen that there before. <laughs> As in just next to Toby Green or ever at all? I think it's signifying that he's injured again. <laughs> yeah, he's always injured. Um, it wasn't iced up at all, which is good, but I think it was sort of just... <laughs> rested on the bench while it was a bit of a flogging. So, um, look, he... I don't know if he'll ever be super coach relevant, unfortunately. Uh, he'll have big games and he'll have big periods of time where he averages big numbers, but it's really unfortunate because he's such a fun player to own, especially when he's up and about, but... Is he? Is he, though? just ridiculous. Is he, is he actually fun to own? Like, I own him two years When he's in up a row, and about. I'm when not he's really enjoying it at all. <laughs> no, he hasn't been up and about for two years. <laughs> the, yeah, yeah. As, we, as we said, we, we'll touch on Whitfield a little bit later. Cats and the Swans, mate. Um, there's a, a bit of a surprising name at the top of the uh, the Swans list. I haven't seen his name before. Um, I'm not sure we've been <laughs> mentioning him at all. 
Yeah, look, uh, Luke Parker is the one that you're talking about. Um, and yes, we did mention him. I mentioned him heavily a week ago. And then, um, look, I tuned into a few podcasts during the week this week and heard a lot of people saying, Luke Parker, geez, he's having a good year. Why isn't anyone talking about him? And, uh, <laughs> geez, oh, we were <laughs> a week ago. But um, the thing is, we, we know that Luke Parker can do this, but he just goes through these peaks and I don't troughs. know. He, he looks good this year. I, I can't really say anything negative about him. He's only had three bad scores, and that was all in the first month of footy. So um, I actually I actually think he's going to be an excellent pick for the season. Okay. Yeah. Uh, speaking of excellent picks, you've got Jake Lloyd just pumping out another 120-plus score. He's just doing the seagull work of old. And uh, Isaac Heaney just continuing to do what he's doing, which is nothing. He's a spud. He's an absolute spud, <laughs> and it kills me to watch him because he's got so much talent. And you know, it's I can't even blame Horse because when Isaac Heaney's up forward, he's impactful. He does he does good things, and you know, when whenever they're up there, etc. You know, they're obviously losing games by quite a lot these days. But when he goes into the midfield, I'm like, yes, finally, Horse. Yeah, you're a bad coach. You finally threw him into the midfield. He does nothing in there. He's yeah. not a great midfielder, and you just see the ball. Like he he engages in the player, engages in the player. Bumps, 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 holds, holds. Oh, the ball's out the other side of the contest. Oh, I'll still hold my player back and just stand here and never get the footy. He's yeah. so frustrating to own. He could be the worst player to own this season. Yeah, at least he's not continuously missing games like Toby. I Green, wish he so. was. Someone <laughs> put him out for a month so I can trade him. Please. It's hard. With everything else going on, it's hard to trade someone that's actually playing, isn't it? Yeah, you can't. You absolutely can't. And that's that. I think that's what makes it frustrating is we're locked into this roller coaster. Like it's, you know, they're, they're not going to stop the ride halfway through just because you're screaming out that you want to get off. We're locked into Isaac Heaney and it's awful. I'm, I'm starting to wish I, I did jump off after like round two. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Paddy Dangerfield coming back into the uh, the scoring ways that we know he can, 130 plus, really started to take over the game in the second half. And this is kind of the performance that we expect. Yeah, he looked awesome. And yeah, essentially, if you don't have him, He's still very cheap. Uh, you have to absolutely get on. Uh, if you do have him, then yeah, you're like everyone else. We're just enjoying watching him get back to his best. Yeah. Brandon Parfit, 104. If you're in a keeper league and you had him as surplus <laughs> keeper, you would be <laughs> looking to move him on to oh, a rebuilding no. side, I would uh, imagine there, JB. I knew this was going to come up as well. <laughs> um, for those who don't know, obviously only Cheezor and I are the ones that do know, I did try to offload Devin Smith... Um, before his knee injury, admittedly, I wasn't trying to do any cheap stuff there, but um, the the week after I tried to offload Devin Smith to Brandon Parfit, uh, the, the knee injury did occur. So looks like I'm stuck with Dev, and you've got a very good Brandon Parfit on your hands. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep him. Josh Kelly, uh, sorry, Tim Kelly, just underperforming a little bit with the uh, the 92 uh, as by his standards. But uh, when you actually look across the, t- the, the stats, he's had 25 uh, touches, he's had a goal, he's had 15 contested possessions and six clearances. There's not much more you can expect, um, particularly against the Swans. Uh, it's going to be difficult for everyone to score uh, points. And he was running with just a little bit as well there, so that's not too bad. Yeah, Hewitt was running with him for a little bit. I, mm-hmm. I think uh, I think I recall so. Um, definitely uh, 92. I'll take that uh, pretty much uh, most weeks. Uh, and Tom Atkins come back to earth there for you, JB. Just the 67. Look, he was on about 50 at half time, and I was starting to chalk him up as a keeper. <laughs> you're going to VC him one of these weeks. You, you, you're talking him up so much. He's awesome, though. You just see him. Like, if you if you watch him, just him, like, watch that number 30, he just buzzes around the ground. It's crazy how much ground he covers, and it's just pressure act, pressure act, pressure act, tackle, pressure act, handball, tackle. Like, it is crazy watching. His engine is unbelievable, and... 
Um, I think some people were talking about him being the one that goes out for Ablett this week, but I think James Parson is in a lot more strife yeah. than Atkins is. They'll yeah. keep Atkins in for sure. Parsons definitely going out um, before Atkins. He, he's got a very good designated role that they're, they're enjoying him playing. Jordan Clark, that wing kind of halfback rotating role, he's, he's starting to really uh, starting to thrive. JB, his last couple of weeks, a 70 and an 80-odd. Uh, kicked another goal this week, so he's uh, do, making some impact on the uh, the scoreboard. He's going to make us a little bit uh, more cash this week before we probably move him out the week after. Um, and uh, that pretty much wraps up this game in terms of... Uh, super coach relevant, so we might just as well... one more. Yeah, one more. Um, Mitch Duncan got the really hard Ryan Clark tag, and he's been locking down outside players recently. Still put up a score of 101. So if you are at all put off by this, in quotation marks, low 101, he fought through one of the better tags in the competition at the moment. So uh, I think he's a very good smoky pick uh, for your last midfield spot. Interesting that both the Clark brothers did a, a really solid tagging job on the weekend. Maybe there's something to that. We're jumping to the next <laughs> one, the Brisbane Lions and the Hawks. Uh, the Lions coming over the top in the second half against the Hawks. Harris Andrews uh, just shows what a stellar supercoach defender he's going to be when he fully develops. Uh, he's got him in the keeper league as well. Uh, maybe. Maybe you just keep on talking about these keeper league players. <laughs> just, I just need to mention, you know, just to boost their value, you know. No, I love it. Just I to get that, that little extra run. Uh, 131, he's going to be, uh, you know, your your McGovern, your Rancers in their prime, scoring very, very close to, hunt, uh, to you know, a 100-plus score when they're, they're in their prime. So, yeah, one to definitely keep a watch on. Uh, Lockie Neal, 114 from 30, um, 30 disposals and 10 contested possessions. A little bit um, more outside. Not so much... Um, uh, in terms of a deliberate kind of play, he just tended to, to to miss the ball in the contest and kind of gather it on the outside uh, as it's kind of uh, spilling out. So um, that impacted his score a little bit uh, with the uh, the uncontested possession ratio in comparison to what he's had this year. But 114 is definitely something uh, uh, to be uh, uh, happy with for sure, JB. And uh, on the Hawks side, Sicily is just reaffirming that he's not only a fantastic super coach player, but he's uh, he's very good at t- uh, towing. Uh, you know, going very close to the line of getting another week. <laughs> yeah, he got cited uh, only the fine for him this week. And you've just named uh, two perfect players to get off of their buyer. So uh, Lock and Neil will break even about a, at about 160-odd this week. So we'll drop uh, the coming week and then have the buy. So he'll be a perfect trading target at around 600k. Sicily just had a high break even of about 130, got 108, so he's bottomed out as well. He's about 500k, so he'll be perfect next week coming off his buy. So, um, yeah, I'm absolutely looking at both those players to round out a couple of my uh, my lines there. Yeah, uh, just uh, while well, I've got Lockie Neal up, um, projected for 126, if he does that with a break even 169, he's going to fall below 600,000. Going to be able to pick him yeah. up for 585k by the looks of things, JB. So uh, that's an absolute steal for one of the best players this year so far. So um, definitely one to keep an eye out on, JB. Um, there's not a whole lot to talk about uh, in terms of super coach relevance across the remainder of the game. I guess another 70 from Noah Answorth is uh, going to keep you a little bit happy after you've been whinging in Slack for a few weeks, right? <laughs> well, after that 20, I, I slowly grew my trust back and put him on the field this week. So 70, look, he's my favorite player again. I love him. All right. 
Cool. Uh, <laughs> we'll jump into the next one, Demons and Crows. Heartbreak for the Demons again up in Darwin. Good to see uh, Blackie uh, making it onto national TV with the uh, the big Nikon uh, taking photos for the game. So great to see you on there, Blackie. Uh, nice, uh, very, very healthy beard there by the looks of it too, mate. Uh, uh, very Not jealous. Hope, mine, but you're trying hard. Hope, so you, I, hope you're getting some it. beard oil into that, mate. Just get that <laughs> some nice sheen. Uh, JB can give you some tips. Max Gorn, the uh, very common captaincy option. Quite a lot of super coaches elected to not take 124 from uh, Brody Grundy, unlike myself, and they were rewarded with 158. The gamble definitely paying off, JB. That's a, a monster from Gorney. Yeah, look, I'm a little bit upset because I outsmarted a lot of coaches and went with Josh Kelly as vice-captaincy instead of Grundy. He outscored him by about, I think it was 14 points in the end, and I was like, tick that box, got a little... Got a few points in the competition. And then everyone that went with Grundy, he slapped the C on Max Gorn, who pumped out 158, and I think 70 of them were in the last quarter, and he missed the game-winning goal. So he could have gone all the way up to about 170, 180-odd. So um, I'm disappointed to miss that one, but what can you what can you really do? Um, and then I think the next important one is Clayton Oliver. He's also bottling... Ooh, He's pretty much already bottomed out, but still at a juicy price. Was on about 80 at half time, um, had 16 disposals in the second quarter, and then Bryce Gibbs locked him down for the second half of the game, and he only put up a good 20, 25 ish. I can't remember how much he was on at half time, but had a very quiet second half. Yeah, sure. And he's another one with a high break, even 159. Uh, only priced at 560, so um, he's going to be cheap come uh, round 14 to pick him up after his buy, just to maybe fill out your midfield if you're looking, you're, you're short on cash and looking for a potential premium. Uh, Oscar Baker, uh, a 69, definitely something that the owners that did bring him in would be very happy with. Uh, crossing the 20 position mark for the game as well. So um, he's uh, playing very much on a wing and using that, that running power that he does have to his advantage and uh, uh, is definitely something uh, um, that's going to help generate that cash. On the uh, the Crow side of things, the uh, the wrong crouch for me, JB, Brad Crouch, just getting it done. 21 kicks, 8 handballs, 130 supercoach points. Um well, thereabouts, just uh, big numbers from Brad, and I'm just hoping that his brother comes back this week. Yeah, we all are, pretty much. He's he's now three weeks removed when he was only supposed to be not even one, um, so it's it's definitely frustrating, but the news out of the club so far, um, the most recent I had heard was that he was probable to play. Um, you've seen a, a tweet since then saying that he was struggling with a bit, a bit more pain still today at training which is obviously not good news, but hopefully, given the whole week, he tends to be one of those players that um, gets up for the, the game when he's even 50-50. Although he hasn't done that in the last few weeks, I assume he was less than 50-50. But um, yeah, he hopefully is playing this week. Otherwise, I think a lot of people with their buy structures are in a bit of strife. Yeah, Brody Smith just uh, kind of repaying the faith on, uh, I think it was a, a very much traded out um, player last week, JB, a, a lot of people kind of jumping the gun, he's not going to be a year 105 averaging super coach defender, so we might as well get rid of him, I've got way more, you know, way bigger issues that I need to deal with than a 96 from one of my defenders. Yeah, I'll probably dump him around his buy, but there's not there's not a whole lot of rush. Crows now have a tough three or four weeks coming up, and he doesn't typically score well against top eight sides, so um, he might struggle for the next week or so. So um, maybe cash him where he can. His break even is hovering around a hundred every week, so um, he's definitely not going to make any more money. And if you do want to upgrade him for you know pretty much just that cheap 150k upgrade, or if you're going to Sicily, it's it's even less than that. 
um, then probably now or around whoever's buyers, this is the time to do it. Yeah, time to trade. Also for Riley O'Brien, just the 52. He's going to lose a tiny bit of cash. Not a big deal. Uh, but Source, Big Source Jacobs did have 225 Supercoach points in the <laughs> yeah. Sandful. Kicked 14 goals and had 40 disposals or something ridiculous. Um, and so you, you'd expect if he uh, has the match fitness, he'd be coming straight back in for Riley O'Brien. Uh, O'Brien, it'll be a perfect time just to um, cash in that 300K that we have made from him. Yeah, exactly right. Spot on. Yeah, sure. All right, that uh, covers this one. We'll jump into the Saints and the Power. Really good win for you boys over there, JB. And uh, I just pretty much confirmed that Travis Boak is probably one of the best um, starting players. If you started him in your Supercoach squad, I think Travis Boak would have made the biggest difference in your 2019 season. Yeah, it was a massive ranking booster early on. And uh, for those who started him, obviously, they might be a little bit upset with the fact that everyone's getting on. But the fact that everyone's getting on just means if he does eventually run out of gas, then you know no one's going to benefit from it anyway like you have already. So um, I still think he's a great trade-out option. He's now on his buy, a trade-in option. He's now on his buy. So um, next week, I think a lot of people will be looking towards him. 131 Supercoach points, just carved it up as well. So um, I, don't, I don't really know what else we could add about him. I think... Um, Robbie Gray getting a hefty amount of midfield time. Chizo is the one to look at this week, next yeah, week. Yeah, do you think that it's going to continue going forward? I kind of see that as a week-by-week week proposition for Robbie. It's definitely week-by-week. Week. Um, I'm not going to guarantee him to have any amount of midfield time because that'd be crazy. But whilst Ollie Wines is out, I'm confident he, at the very least, holds his position until then. Even when Ollie Wines gets back, I think it's been evident in the last few weeks that... Um, we we have a lot of the same player in there. So Ollie, Rocky, Trav, um, Pow Pepper, etc. We don't have an, a Robbie Gray anywhere. Unfortunately for Robbie Gray, we don't have one in the forward line either when he's not there. So um, I'm confident he'll get at least the split that he had towards the end of last year where he went uh, well. So I'm looking to trade him in after his buy, Chizo. I don't know how confident you would be on him. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm probably stick clear just personally, but... Um, obviously, I'm biased because um, I, I had that year I didn't start him in the forward line. He just kind of burnt me real hard. Uh, Zave Derzma, uh, 92. He just keeps keeping on. He's just been one of the best rookies that we could have this year. Running along that uh, that wing, uh, copped a few head knocks, so uh, hopefully no lasting effects from that, especially on the the, the long flight black, and he'll be he'll be uh, right to go again. And we. Rowan Marshall, there's not a whole lot more that we can say, JB. We've touched on the past. We've run out of excuses to say why he's not a good option. So if you like him, pick him up. I'm still a little 50-50 on him, but I can't really argue it. It's just the, the feeling that a player coming off of limited game time in his career, going into a full-time ruck role, generally doesn't last the full season. But he's proven me wrong every single week. So I, I, I don't have any reason to tell people not to trade him in. I just personally will not be looking at him. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that sentiment. Dara Joyce, uh, 38, coming in uh, on the bubble. A few people disappointed that they missed out on uh, a potential downgrade in the back line, but um, hopefully there's some uh, more on the horizon that we can look at, JB. Um, that, that, that late redraw has kind of hurt a few people as we've had to do some shuffling, particularly in our, in our back line there, mate. When uh, Hall was out... Um, it just it it did throw a bit of a spanner in the work. So um, uh, you didn't really have the option um, 
that week. You know, if you if uh, Hall was playing on the uh, the Saturday night and you had no cover, you were forced to you know make a move on the players that you knew were available. Say uh, a Gardner from the Bulldogs. So I, I think there's a few coaches that do did end up with him, uh, but would have rathered Joyce on the bubble. But um, things happen. We'll jump into the next one: the Bombers and the Blues. The uh, the career-ending game by the Bombers. A fantastic win, 153 from uh, Captain Heppel. My boy Darcy Parrish, JB. I just, I'm just going to stop here just a little bit because I feel like. Sorry, pen- do you have Darcy in a keeper league as well? <laughs> I just, uh, it's been a long four years from the very first start of the podcast. It it started as a bit of a meme, but. I've got the number three on the back of my SNN jersey, mate, and it's just finally good to see that pick five is starting to have an impact on games. You've got nothing to say about Darcy. <laughs> Dylan Clark is the one we do have to talk about, JB. He did a fantastic tagging job on Paddy Cripps. It would be interesting to see whether he plays uh, after the bye. I think he was specifically brought in to do a job on Paddy Cripps. So if that's his designated role and we're not playing a, uh, a a team that has a superstar like Paddy Cripps, it may not be uh, uh, one of those situations where he's going to be playing on a week-by-week basis. I think it's more um, if he's going to be matched up in a tagging situation. But he did it phenomenally. 23 touches and 10 tackles, uh, 9 contested possessions, and uh, almost a, a super coach done with a 99. So uh, definitely one to keep a, a, an eye out on, JB. Uh, the, the interesting thing thing is that there's been over 4,000 coaches trade him in and he has the buy this week, JB. Yeah, so uh, we will chat about this a little bit later, but essentially I'm okay with people trading in buy players if they're trading in someone who's not playing to that player. So, for example, I've pretty happily traded Lockhart to Gardner, well, so far. I mean, the week's still early, so... Um, I'm looking at that trade personally because it's it's a zero for a zero and Gardner will at least play through the next couple of buys, whereas Lockhart won't. And next week I'm looking to get, you know, your Buleys, your Clarks, your upgrades as well. So, you know, there's not a, an unlimited amount of trades throughout the buys. You still do have to be savvy. Clark, on the other hand, is just one that uh, his job security is just not screaming at me. So I wouldn't probably go early on him, especially considering he's only played the one game. He still needs two more before a price rise. But yeah, look, we'll discuss it more later, but I think it's a little crazy to look at him this week. Sure. Josh Begley, who was on the bubble at 44, just as we predicted, JB, that his elevated price just wasn't going to reflect the scores and the cash generation <coughs> you, could get, you could get from him. Uh, 89 from Paddy Cripps was kind of stunning from the fact that he only had 11 touches. You pretty much got it all from his tackles with uh, eight tackles. It's it, It's been a long time since we've seen Paddy Cripps with almost the same amount of disposals as tackles, mate. So um, there's certainly some worries going through uh, out the Supercoach ranks that they do have him, but um, at 89, from that scenario is not terrible. I don't think uh, we'll be seeing a low disposal count like that again from him probably maybe even ever. Um, I think in the presser, Bolton was saying how um, Cripps played a bit of a sacrificial role for the club. He's your best player. He's your ball winner. He's your ball in general. And like, he just Bolton not there anymore. I guarantee the new coach doesn't come in and try to limit Patrick Cripps in any way whatsoever because his job might might be hinging on you know Patrick Cripps' success. So I would be looking to trade him in after his buy if you don't have him. And for those who do have him, I'm confidently VCing him this week even. 
Sure. All right. Uh, the the four rookies that you may have from the Blues, Walsh, Setterfield, Stocker, and Gibbons, all in the 60s. Uh, that little uh, donate for donuts that I've got going with uh, Pistol on Sam Walsh up until the buyers looking really good with his lowest score for the year of 65. Uh, sorry, 67 JB, but he still had 20 uh, 20 disposals, so uh, he's still uh, still going great. And I'd be looking if you haven't moved him on at this point, uh, JB. Uh, what would be your kind of plan? Would you be looking to keep him because he's got that round 14 buy? Um, it's it's kind of team by team, isn't it? So yeah. um, obviously, if you're trading him to someone this week, then you're going to want to be up. Uh, you can't do it this week. Yeah, you pretty much have to wait till he's by, which is um, I think he's got the last one. Yeah, if you're going to trade him out, you would have done it by now. I think. Yeah, so. you would have had to have done it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, bank that bank those um, those Luck seventy scores during the buy. I think so. Um, I agree with that. The Eagles and the Bulldogs, mate. Take us through a couple of the uh, the good scores in this one. I know there's one in particular you'll be pretty happy with. All right, so um, we'll pretty much, I'll pretty much just discuss the Bulldogs in in a whole this one. So Caleb Daniel, 124, plays well in good weather, Chizo. That is the be all and end all. He's got a lot of games coming up at Marvel Stadium. Uh, have a look into it if you're looking to trade him in. I think he's a very good trading option. Uh, pretty much over the buys. He's got his buy, obviously, this week. So uh, still relatively cheap, but won't be for too much longer. Josh Dunkley, on the other hand, um, not as cheap, but cheap-ish for what his potential output is. Only had one score, which was 88, uh, since he moved into the midfield. Everything else has been 115 plus, if I'm not wrong. And essentially, that that 88 score was only because Libba suited the matchup better than what Dunkley did. He was doing a bit of a, not a tagging effort, but more of a run with roll than what Dunkley would have done. So that's the reason for that 88. I, I said that on the podcast following the game. So um, Dunkley, I think he's your best, most confident player that you could possibly trade into your team in the forward line uh, following his buy. And then Pistol, because you're, you're going to mention it, uh, Pistol, Cheezer, because you're going to mention it anyway, <laughs> Tim English, 96 Supercoach points. Do you have him in the Keeper League? Mate? Yes. I won, mate. <laughs> get him in he's, oh, he's, he's not going cheap anymore no he's not uh, he's looking very good so I think in the next few years we'll be looking at him as an option but Jackson McRae uh, 84 supercoach points 26 disposals but not much of anything else I don't know if I've seen Jackson McRae go a whole game without laying a tackle before yeah very very outside too like he was uh, um, not uh, doing his usual kind of 50-50, um, getting in there and, and getting the ball out. It's just uh, kind of like what, what I saw with Neil as well. Like it, it just wasn't falling his way. He's had a few games like that this year. Um, the return uh, of a couple of their you know mids becoming full-time uh, again is going to... Um, it, it, we did predict a little bit of a drop-off, so he's going to have games like this, but I still see him long-term going to be a, a fantastic super coach option. Um, Ryan Gardner, JB, what did you make of his game? He, he came out with a uh, guns block blazing with a 22 in the first quarter. Played awesome whilst they were competitive. And then when the game blew out, obviously being a tool forward for a team on the end of a spanking, he had his colours lowered, but did kick a goal as well in the last quarter to make, um, sort of make, uh, I mean, not make it a decent debut because he was going well anyway, but really capped it off. I think obviously they wouldn't draft him and bring him in straight away just to play him for one game in a flogging and drop him. I think he's got the probably... Some of the best job security out of any of the rookies that we're probably looking at um, to upgrade to following the first buy. So I do like Gardner a lot. And if you've traded him in earlier, I would have loved what I saw from him. All right, mate. I just want you to talk to me about Bont. He's had 73. It's his lowest score for the year. Yes, they were playing at Optus Stadium against the reigning Premier. 
but he's got a five-round average of 106, a three-round average of 96. Is this a little bit of a drop-off that, you know, we're expecting this is the year, he's got the role, he's going to be averaging 120 for the season, this is the one that he wins the Brownlow in, and then he just seems to have just fallen away to the point that he's just not being considered by many coaches at the moment. Yeah, look, it scared me a little bit. Um, he still had the touches there, so 27 disposals still uh got four tackles and kicked one goal three. So could have been a bigger day, but obviously um, the one goal three kind of sums up his whole day. So he did obviously good things with you know representing the one goal. And then the three behinds there represents his disposal efficiency of just 55. Had five clangers in this one as well. Um, I just don't think it was his day. The midfield of the Eagles pretty much dominated throughout. Even though they didn't exactly have the numbers, it was a, a big team effort by them uh, sort of just had this one comprehensively and then even took the the foot off the pedal late. So I think a lot of Blunt sort of, it's, it's it doesn't exactly hinge on how the Bulldogs are tracking, but they seem to have taken a, a sort of step back in the last few weeks. So hopefully if we see them bounce back uh, in the coming couple of weeks, we'll get Blunt cheap and um, he obviously could have a huge end to the season. But it's tough at the moment, Jesus. It's, it's tough for pretty much anyone considering an MA at the moment. Yeah, sure. Uh, on the West Coast Eagles side, Petrocelli just in the 40s again, just doing what he does. Um, <laughs> no no goals this week, so if you still got him, this is just kind of what you expect at this point. Um, again, he's another player that has the bye next week, so you might as well just hold him for one more unless you're, uh, you're, you've got a, a, a well-balanced side right now. Uh, Andrew Gaff is another sneaky uh, option, JB. He's always been that accumulator, um, just uh, running off a wing, picking up a lot of touches, 36 this week, 120. 21 super coach points uh, wouldn't be the worst uh, MA going forward but obviously with the bye next week uh, uh, we'll talk about that in due course and Jack uh, uh, Darling finally had that uh, you know that really big game that we know he can have six goals in this 135 super coach points there's a, a certain percentage of the uh, the um, super coach community that started with him and it's just uh, probably 11 weeks too long before we had to wait to, to see a performance like like this JB but um Good to see that he's at his back performing well. I think in his last five, he might have had three tons with two big scores in there. Oh, but the other on. ones are scores around 60 or 70. Like You just absolutely can't trust him. You can't get him in. <laughs> if you do have him, Chizo, uh, hopefully you're pushing him to the bench as a bit of a rotator, but you're in bad luck pretty much. Yeah. That pretty much wraps up all the uh, the games from the round, JB. I know we do have some important things that we should touch on. Uh, we do have some injuries that I think we should uh, mention first. Whitfield, Hearn, and Crouch. Um, I should mention, JB, that we did get a... Uh, a private message from someone that did have the the information on Whitfield um, a little bit of advanced ahead of time, so uh, we were aware of what was going on, uh, but asked not to release it out into the public. So it, it is disappointing to know um, that he's had to have surgery on his clavicle, which is his collarbone. It's not usually one that you'd have surgery on, JB. Um, a lot of um, like if you're just a you or me, they get our collarbones um, fractured in just the you or me. In, lo- in local footy, <laughs> let's just say, I- I'm very much an outside player, JB, but let- let's just pretend, for e- for example, that you're a Liberatore and you're in and under and you fracture your-, your clavicle, JB. Nine times out of ten, they just do nothing with it and they just let it heal because it's just in a really, um, not dangerous position, but there's complications that can go wrong where you can um, get a, when the fracture happens, a lot of times, um, the, um, a little bit of medical talk here, JB, the 
lateral, love when Dr. Chizo comes out. The lateral aspect um, moves inferior, which basically points the sharp part of the fracture at the top of your lung. Um, and so a lot of times they just let it... Um, you know, kind of heal over and you get this big bony callus that holds it together. Obviously, in a professional sporting uh, scenario, they want to heal it as quick as they possibly can. So what they're basically going to do is just put a... Um, they'll do two things. If it's very much a, a, a classic fracture, just straight through the center of it, they'll put a plate. If it's at either end, they'll put a screw through it. So, And they have different recovery times. And from what we're hearing, it's going to be probably a four to six week turnaround time for Lockie Whitfield. And that's going to influence whether we're going to be trading him in or out, JB. And I'd just like to know your thoughts on what you think going forward. I think let's, for this argument, pretend that it's going to be a four-week injury turnaround. Yeah, so um, we saw Hibbert get this same injury and only go out for two weeks. So, um, And then obviously we've heard conflicting reports from GWS saying you know six to eight. So I think four is the good place to land in, uh, which would have him out until just after his buy, maybe one week after um, or maybe returning the game after. So in that sense... <sighs> It's it's so difficult to talk about because it is very team dependent. And if I was playing for the league or I already had a you know a good ranking, I would probably I'd probably be inclined to hold if I had eighteen playing each week for sure. So obviously he's only going to miss two weeks for us coaches, as you know he's got the buy one week, which we expect him to be out for anyway. If you're fine for those two weeks, if you've got 18, 19 playing those two weeks, then you almost could comfortably hold knowing that you're at least going to know a better timeline in one week, two weeks, three weeks' time. And it's not really going to hurt you in the meantime because obviously it's the buy rounds. You could be upgrades ahead of people, upgrades behind, different players playing, like different premiums playing in different rounds. So um, no matter what, you're pretty much going to make up ground in the buy rounds if you've got 18, 19 playing. So you should be fine. But this is like that's where it comes into you know, or do you want to be aggressive, Chizo, and make up a hundred, two hundred points on people over that three weeks and get like an extra premium for it's over. Sorry, it's over two weeks because of the buy, obviously. But there's so many discussions, and I'm I'm trying to give an answer here, but I'm sitting heavily on the fence as well because I've got him. I've got a good ranking. My buy structure seems okay. But I just have this urge to trade him because it's GWS and four weeks usually goes out to eight. It's it's just so hard to read at the moment. Well, I, I put out a fantastic tweet, JB. If you haven't seen it, I'll summarize it for you. Uh, if he's confirmed out for a month, I don't. We do we take that as he's out for six months, or do we take it that he's going to be named this week to play, like <laughs> with with the the GWS, um, you know, medico you know, media side of things, you just literally can't trust it. They're just, they're playing it by by the book, just trying to cover up um, as much of the legitimate information as they can, which is disappointing um, that there's not that openness uh, about it. Um, it, it. I guess it's not their responsibility to um, tell the world what's going on with their players, um, but you, there's a little lack of transparency that we're seeing across the entire AFL that just gets frustrating over time. So I guess it it kind of builds up in um, in one particular scenario, which is something like um, uh, I guess a, a Matt Crouch scenario that was a, a one week that's turned into you know much more than that. Lockie Whitfield, I agree with basically what you're saying, JB. The problem 
let's just take my team for example. I had everything kind of planned out very well. I knew that round 13 was going to be the difficult buy going in and I was banking on him being one of those premiums that is going to help me yeah. through, particularly in the back line. And so I'm almost forced to move him out to another premium just to supplement that scoring because as we've talked about, there's no point having 18 players on the field if 14 of them are rookies. You're still going to have a deplorable score. You, someone with um, uh, the the opposite ratio is going to score much more. It's not about the amount you've got on your field. It's what that um, ratio that you can generate. So losing one of those um, premiums when I've already got so many other big guns like Lloyd, Grundy, and, uh, you know, a danger out, I need to keep that scoring potential because the buyers are our biggest chance of making up ground. And after some of these injuries, I need to take advantage of the buyers to get back to where I was. So that's kind of my thinking. The problem is there's just no one that we really want to be jumping on that we can bring in this week, is there? So you could potentially that's look at where, a... That's where it's extremely difficult. I mean, you could bring in Shannon Hearn. He's gone... With injury, you could, you know, Luke Ryan's going well, he's got the buy. James Sisley's going well, he's got the buy. Um, so, uh, in terms of trading it, it's going to be a very difficult option. But at this stage of the game, JB, I'm kind of leaning towards the safety of a Rory Laird. He's not going to average 105 for the rest of the year, but he's probably the next best option that I can hopefully get a 90. Eight to one hundred and two average from here on out. And you name the problem with you know Hearn, Ryan, Sicily. There are obviously two on the buy, one's injured. Led this week is probably going to get tagged by DeBoer. I know. That's, <laughs> like that's how, really how hard, difficult isn't it? is it to commit to a player that you probably know is going to get their last score for the season this week? So it it's just I don't know what's more difficult: the fact that he's injured or. The fact that it's so well-timed with the Hearn injury and also the, the fact that there's just absolutely a, just a poor amount of options in defense that we can rely on. And yeah, I'm I'm struggling to find six. I think, you know, it's gotten to the point where Hooley's probably one of our best options, has the exact same buyers, Whitfield. Um, obviously, he's on a hot streak. He's just as injury-prone, if not more. And, you know, it's... Short comes back in a couple of weeks as well, which you know could affect him. So it's just so difficult. It is easily the biggest conundrum that our super coaches have come up with. I will say though, um, if you're playing for leagues, I think it's a really easy hold. Yeah, um, obviously, no, I agree. Throughout the buyers, you're going to get hit or miss. Like you're going to get random teams that have played really well. You're going to get teams that are playing really poorly. So um, it's fifty-fifty. I doubt that one score is going to really you know put you into the top eight and you know finish your season off so I think it's an easy hold for leagues for rankings it's just so difficult you know as you said those options I don't want any of those players this week so you know does that mean I hold for next week but next week I've already planned my trades and if I put them off another week then I'm an, it's another week of full premium like it's just there's so much going on and to be honest I think my final say on the matter will be that I think Whitfield should be traded this week yeah, no, I agree with that. And I'd just like to get your thoughts on Hooley. I'll just briefly summarise what mine are. I think this is a typical case of a hot streak, as you say, JB. There's absolutely no way that Hooley is averaging 110.8 for the remainder of the season from this point out. And when we're talking about upgrading and who we think are, um, are going to be in our, you know, our top six defenders from this point on, 
I just don't see Hooley as being one of those absolute must-haves. And it just seems like um, the classic case where um, everyone seems to get greedy when things are increasing in price. You know, you see Hooley is the most expensive available player this week. Um, and it just, or the, the highest averaging player um, available that you can trade Whitfield to, and it just you, you just see the numbers and want to jump on him. But I think going forward, I know particularly with short that you have mentioned, that's going to influence things. Um, I just we've seen this such long career of Basher Hawley that he's never done this before. You know, so he's obviously getting some benefit from the kicking rule, I believe. But I just don't think that it's sustainable for the rest of the year. And if you're paying $40,000 more than what you can pick up, Laird, who I'd say is a little bit more safer, I would probably, my personal preference, with everything else going on in my team, I don't want to buy Basher Hooley for 540 k which is almost what you can get Oliver for, and then see him drop off at the back half of the year and I've lost that forty grand that I could spend somewhere else. That's just my kind of take on it. So, so he's had big scores this year against Carlton, Melbourne, Essendon, and North Melbourne. So all not, final sides. <laughs> uh, so not strong teams that he's scoring well against. Uh, you know they've got Geelong next week, Adelaide the week after. I'd say you know they're obviously two tough contests. They've, he's, he's then got St Kilda and Gold Coast, which you expect him to do well for. And then GWS Port and Collingwood following that. So. You know, by that time, obviously, then we're into finals, and he's got two weak teams and two strong teams. So it's hard. It's it's so difficult because we haven't even seen him play a top eight team. Besides, that's what I was going to say. He hasn't played a top eight side yet. Free, I mean, Fremantle. You can essentially say are a top eight side, but they're just outside at the moment. So you know, they're they're that sort of caliber of side. I, I agree with that. But you know, that's the best team that he's faced this year, and he, he I mean, he scored one hundred and six, which is fine. But you know, that's it hasn't come up against stiff competition yet, and and, and this week he's got, got the cats. Run. He's yeah. got cats. They're ten and one at the MCG. If there's a tougher challenge this year, then, I don't and know then what Adelaide, it is. Adelaide Oval. Yeah. So the, the thing is, though, he's last from round seventeen to twenty three. Richmond don't leave the MCG. That's yeah. unbelievable. He, 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 I mean, we say this about everything. This is just our personal opinion. Take it with a grain of salt. That's just my take on it. You can, you know. Take it or leave it. And people are going to have different opinions all over Twitter. People are loving Hawley, calling people idiots if you aren't jumping on. This is the this mm. is skyrocketing to the moon. Make sure you get on. And if you believe that as well, then I'm not going to tell you different. I mean, I tweeted I this out the in the preseason, by the way. Can I can I just say quietly? Say that again. JLT1, I tweeted out that more people should be looking at Basha Hawley this year. Just thought I'd bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> I've been pumping up my uh, my draft league, so uh, I'm happy with that. This is, just, uh, this is the flex podcast, isn't it? <laughs> Shannon Hearn's been projected as a, a two to three week a hamstring injury, I do believe, JB. So he's going to miss mm-hmm. this week. He's got the bye the week after, and then he's going to be touch and go for round 14. I think for me, Hearn quite clearly is a hold. Yeah, he's, he's easily a hold. Um, and in terms of trading him in, uh, it, it sucks. I'd rather him actually play this week coming up as a person who's looking to trade someone in like this. Um, his break-even is 161, so he's obviously looking to drop around 30K, which would make life a little bit easier. But you know, now I might have to just trade him in coming off an injury. Otherwise, I won't be full premium in, in time. So it's kind of inconvenient for those who have him, those who don't have him. It's, it's not a great situation around, but you just have to back him into come in before the buyer's end and 
that's pretty much it. You can't be trading him out. Yeah, no, I, I certainly um, agree with that. I think if it turns into one of those Zach Williams hamstrings that just keep get like he's he's available this week and then he's not available and then they stretches <laughs> it from week to week, uh, I don't think we're going to see that with him because um, he's just such a durable player and they only did it out of precaution rather than a full tear. So... Um, I, I think it just a little niggle for, for Hearn's going to be fine. And, and the fact that he's just so much better than the next best player. and mm-hmm. uh, Who's know, Whitfield? <laughs> yeah, we've seen that for, you know, the majority of the year. We've got uh, a lot and against top eight, bottom eight, contenders, non-contenders. So um, I, I think everyone should have him come the end of the year. So I, I wouldn't be trading him out if I had him uh, particularly for um, just a little uh, hamstring niggle. Uh, JB, we'll talk about some potential bubble boys uh, now. Obviously, the first one on the uh, tip of our tongues is Jackson Haitley. Another 30 touches in the kneeful on the weekend. Is he going to be an uh, you know brought in for Whitfield considering it's a midfielder for a midfielder? But then uh, Zach Williams being available potentially, Isaac Cumming goes out. Wait, can I ask you a bit of a curly question about sure. Zach Williams? Sure. If you've got Whitfield, is he in consideration considering how well he generally plays um, without when Whitfield's him. not in the team? And he's got the same buy, so it won't exactly compromise your buy structure. If you don't have Williams, is this in consideration even if you traded him out? Yes, he's in consideration because cool. you can't deny that he has this scoring potential. And as you yep. said, and you know, I've got so much confidence in you, JB. He's going to average 105 for the year. Um, that was one of the better calls of the preseason by yourself. So, uh, as someone scoring that wheel, you've got to get him in. Um, the problem- you know what's annoying about that call in the preseason? <laughs> he, he was averaging about 98 and had 75 at half time before then, he got injured. They got injured. He, if he had have gone on and played the second half, say he just gets 50 or 60 in that second half and gets 120, he's almost on that 105 already. But now because of the injury, it's going to look like I'm a dummy and I'm 10 points <laughs> off the average. But I'll tell you what, that was actually a good call. I'm standing by it still. Well, I'm glad you said it and not me. Um, the reason <laughs> that uh, Zach Williams, I wouldn't be um, crashed hot on bringing him in is just the fact that he is injury prone. Like it does seriously start to worry me that um, every single game he's copping this knock and that knock and he's got ice on this calf and then he does this hamstring. I just feel like this is going to be an ongoing thing. Like if you've already got him, like you kind of just are riding it out, but I'd be really, really averse to bring him in when I could just get, uh, you know, a Rory Laird for the you know, a high 90 score every week and I can just, you know, sit no, in there and not have to worry about him. Does that make sense? No, get Williams. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> no, nah, it does, it does. Jackson I think Haley. Led's a better option. <laughs> yeah, let's touch on some bubble boys. Jackson Haley, mm-hmm. um, he's played two games for an average of 90 so far. Thirty. I think he does come top. in this week. Yeah, I'm pretty so, confident of that. Yeah, that. That proposed trade, that uh, you know, those swaps that I was talking about, you think that's that's potentially the case? Mm-hmm. I do. Uh, I don't know if it'll be coming, but I think just someone goes out for Haley. He's been tearing up the knee for too much and um, is... Not exactly similar to Whitfield, but he's close enough. And for what else they'd bring in, I mean, you know, you think about everyone says, oh, Williams for um, Whitfield's just a straight swap. Whitfield's played 90% up forward this year. He's he's not a defender. And although that's what we best associate him with because he usually streams out of defense, he starts up forward every single stoppage. I think Haightley 
is a chance to replace him, and then Zach Williams will be more of a replacement for someone else in that that defense who isn't exactly performing. Cumming did just come off a great game, so he scored ninety Super Coach on the weekend. So I think he'd be a bit stiff to be dropped, but it wouldn't be unlike GWS to do so. Anyone again uh, playing anyone but the Gold Coast Suns? That's probably a, a fifty. Let's be honest. So yeah, naturally. Uh, yeah, so probably getting that boosted a little bit. Um, Hearn going out potentially opens the door for a Josh Rotham who's averaging 77 uh, across his two games on the bubble. I wouldn't be holding my breath. The same goes for Mitchell Hinge. Uh, he's had a 65 average across his first two games. Two, they're, they're probably the three big ones that you're potentially mm-hmm. looking at. And then we're getting into the scenarios. Um, those two, on- those two second ones that you just mentioned as well, they've got that awful second bye week as well. So it's hard to justify trading them in. That's right. Uh, it, it will definitely depend on your structure, and um, I'm not totally against trading in one of them if it's going to set you up the following weeks. A similar along the yep. lines of Dylan Clark, where you're you're trading down to someone, banking a whole bunch of cash, so that even if you do have a a, a donut from one of those rookies, that you know the following week you've got all this money to be able to upgrade um, a, another rookie that might be uh, be having a, the, the the buy, say a, a Will Hayes as. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, trading down to a Dylan Clark doesn't make you a, a whole lot, but because they've both got the buy, uh, you're just banking that little bit of cash that you can use the following week. So I think uh, it's important as well to note that um, if you've got injured players on the bench, like I've got Lockhart, uh, training him this week to Gardner so I don't have to do it next week and I can do two upgrades instead of two downgrades, I think is an underrated move. So you're even though you're training someone who's not on their buy, um, you're essentially training a zero for a zero anyway, and at least Gardner will play in the other buys, whereas Lockhart isn't looking to do so. Yeah, so let's unpack that a little bit more, JB. I'll, I'll get you to uh, just go a little bit slower through it. Essentially, what we're doing is we're allowing ourselves to get one up on other coaches by getting an extra upgrade before they do. So by using it uh, for a long period of time, this first buy round was don't trade. There's no benefit to trading. You just hold mm-hmm. your trades for the following week. What we're kind of seeing nowadays and um, probably what I'm advocating, see if you can find a trade that doesn't impact your side um, but that you need to do to get some of that cash into your team so that the week after you're doing two upgrades and one downgrade to yep. get that um, that that little launch pad away from the rest of your side, uh, rest of the competition around you. Well, there's three amazing bubble boys this week um, on their buy at the moment. So you're going to want at least one of them next week. Uh, one of them has only played one game thus far, so that's Clark, which is good. Two of them are going to be... Um, sorry, both of them. Two of them have played one game so far. Gardner's only played one as well. Um, but if we're doing the two up, one down uh, for the first, uh, the next couple of buy rounds, we kind of have to do something this round if we want to catch all the players that are actually going to play throughout the rest of the buy round. So that's why I'm looking at getting Gardner this week rather than having to get both Bewley and Gardner next week or um, just some some different you know mix up of things. So whoever I deem to have the best job security at this point, which is Gardner in my opinion. I think is just safe to jump on now as long as you're trading out someone, like I said, Lockhart, uh, Bailey Scott, who's not getting games at the moment. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else would be parked on people. Burgess, I don't think he's getting games at the moment. Those types of players that you know are going to be zeros regardless, at least get someone in that will play throughout the, the ladder buys and that you don't have to get in next week when you're trying yeah. to do two upgrades. Instead Bailey of three Scott, downgrades. potentially. Yeah, yeah, those types of players. Um so I don't know if I exactly <laughs> nailed that speech in, in the best way it could have been explained, but essentially don't get fallen into the trap of holding all your trades this week because 
you know, I have to put as many on the field as possible. I'm going to get the Lockhart on field in case he plays. I'm going to get Scott on field or keep him as emergency in, in, like, in case he plays. I think it's a good time to just shore up your money. I mean, I've got 600k in the bank pretty much. So um, it's a good time to shore up money, try and secure players that are playing in the ladder buyers and secure that money so you can do double upgrade next week to, you know, your Sicilies, Dunkleys, Robbie Grace, whoever you're looking at. Yeah, the benefit of Gardner as well is that if you've got Darcy Moore um, or even a Burgess, you can use that uh, defense forward swing to set your side up. So um, if you're able to get a Matt Parker out this week, swing Darcy Moore forward and bring Gardner in, um, I would 100% do that move to um, try and bring in some extra cash because both Gardner and um, Parker are not playing. It's just that cash downgrade. And that's, you know, you might be uh, setting... Um, restructuring your side in a positive way for uh, for the rest mm-hmm. of the buyers as well. So yep. uh, I agree with that. Uh, uh, also, Bewley is a, uh, a another one to mention. He's um, on his buy this week, has played two games for an average of 48, uh, JB. So um, I, I, I've seen uh, a few suggestions of Bailey Scott to Brett Bewley um, this week, and uh, I find it hard to argue with. There's a, a little bit of a cash generation, only the Just 50, quickly, 60 grand. Yeah. Uh, if someone's doing that, I know I said earlier, you think you consider an upgrade like one up, one down is your two trades. When I was talking about how many trades you'll have left at full premium, that that is a bit of an like you're only getting 60k on that, so that's not a one up, one down. Um, although I, I still wouldn't advise against it if you've got you know good other cash cows playing, you don't want to compromise your buy structure, you want to get that 60 grand, that's all fine, but just consider that in your trades as well. So that'll take you down from you know potentially having six to now you have five is it is it worth going early so just something else that people need to consider that they might not have yeah no i agree with that jb that pretty much uh wraps up all the important things that we do need to touch on going into the bites obviously uh our early week podcasts are very uh content intensive jb just because there's so much to recap and then talk about but uh if you've listened this far thank you for making it all the way through it does uh, we do appreciate uh, everyone that does listen and provide feedback and if you do have any feedback feel free to leave us a rating or a review on any podcasting platform that you do listen because uh, it helps us get our voice out there and more people uh, can hear JB just handing out really random opinions. <laughs> well, one last random opinion, Cheezo. Yeah, I knew it was um, coming. <laughs> opening up a swing is quite important in around the buys as well. You mentioned it earlier with the you know swinging Parker in different directions and doing all sorts of stuff. Trading in a midfield into your midfield to you know, open up a swing between multiple players could be very, very important for, you know, maybe you've got 10. I think the last buy, a lot of people have pretty much all their forwards playing. Um, so it could be, you know, it could be crucial to getting an extra player on the field or an extra score and you know, a low score kicked out of your team. So just something to consider. Um, I don't know how many opportunities people have. Maybe, you know, it might make people consider Robbie Gray a little bit more if they can trade him into the midfield and open up that. So, just something to consider. My yeah. last bit of advice: you can cut me off whenever you want. No, that's fine, and uh, I, <laughs> I, I, I absolutely agree with that. I've got Dersma and Setterfield just currently right in the pine in the. Uh, that's perfect. In yeah, the that's midfield, very lucky. And I've got uh, Darcy Moore forward, and I've got Ryan Gardner in the defence. So you're set. Look at you. If there's anything that I need to switch around, potentially I go Jordan Clark out after his buy, swing more backwards. Um, and bring in uh, you know, a forward in the likes of Boke. You know that that's how it's it's really beneficial mm. to your side, and that, that that's specifically why I use it. JB, uh, where can the lovely listeners find us during the week if they do want to catch us? 
So myself, JB underscore DRSC on Twitter. There's Pistol with a Z, Pistol underscore DRSC, and then Chizo <laughs> with a Z, Chizo <laughs> underscore DRSC. Uh, the main one is at Dr. underscore SC. <laughs> with a Z. And then obviously leave a comment on our Facebook or wherever and we'll find it and probably delete it if it's negative and reply <laughs> if it's positive. I appreciate that, uh, JB. <laughs> hey, guys, thanks for sticking out with us all this long. We're starting to lose our marbles, I think, JB. I think we might as well cut it off. Uh, I hope things fall our way for the teams. We'll catch you later on in the week for the Lockout Podcast. May the Supercoach gods be with you. <laughs>